Welcome to C4 Church Online, equipping you as you follow Jesus. Well, good morning, C4. Man, it's so good to be with you guys today. How's everyone doing? Yeah? All right, awesome. I want to say hi to all of you who are here with us in Ajax. I want to do a shout out to our online audience. I met one of you last night. I know you're out there in your workplaces with your earbuds in, on the subways, and streets of life uh, tuning in. And you're very much part of our community. We want to welcome you, online audience. And of course, I have to say hello to my personal favorite, our North Durham site. Good morning, North Durham. Woo! How are you guys doing? I miss you. I love you guys, and uh, you're, you're awesome. So, so sorry I couldn't be with you today, but I guess I kind of am with you in some ways, so it's all good. It's good to see you guys this morning as well. Well, uh, thanks, Joanna, for that introduction. My name is Mark Strickland. I am your site pastor here at C4 for North Durham, and it's a privilege to be here. Before uh, joining the staff as a site pastor, for C4. I attended here myself in Ajax, so I gotta say it's nice to be home. I've been back twice since we started the site, once around Christmas and then today. And so it's good to be with you guys, and I'm excited for today. I'm looking forward to the parable we're looking at today because I believe it's timely and important uh, word for our church and for all of you this morning. The parable we're looking at today is kind of a gardening parable. It's a gardening parable. Do we have any gardeners in the house? Anyone? All five of you? That's great. Yep, I see you. I hear that. All right. Well, I, uh, as Joanna mentioned, I am a Christian magician as well as a pastor. Now, some people get uncomfortable when they hear the words Christian and magician. So sometimes I tell people I'm a gospel illusionist. That's right. <laughs> Everything you're about to see is an illusion. It's merely an illusion, a Christian illusion, okay? Gospel illusion. But now, here we go. And uh, we're going to do a, a, I have this trick, it fits in so well with this whole gardening uh, deal that we're about to go to, so I thought, would it be cool if I shared a little bit of just one illusion with you today? Would that be all right? Yeah? Okay. For the one person who's like, no way, you can leave. No, no I'm joking. Please stay. We love you. Okay. Um, so when you're growing something, we're going to grow a plant today. What's the, the most important thing you need to grow something? Like what will, it'll just be an epic fail if you don't have this. Oh, water's good. I heard water. Sunlight. Very good. And I actually have this yellow tube here. Okay, it represents the sun. It's big, it's yellow, it's round, and it covers all. So you need sunlight if you want to grow a plant. Now, uh, some of you, I heard you shout out another thing that you need. It's not as important as the sunlight, but you still definitely need it. Anyone? Soil, water. Water is what I'm looking for. We're going to say water and nutrients. And I have this red tube here. Okay, it represents water and nutrients. Also very important to cover the plant, okay? And then I heard some of you shouted out soil. Definitely, you need good soil to grow a plant. You need soil that's not too hard, right? Or the the roots won't take hold. You need soil that's on a rocky place, doesn't have weeds in it. So we have this base here that's going to represent the soil. And of course, there's one other thing you need if you're going to grow a plant. I'm trying to think. Seeds, that's right, seeds. Now, I totally forgot to bring the seeds today. Does anyone have a seed on them? No? <laughs> okay. Well, you're in luck because I actually, I, I think I have this, this uh, it used to be a white handkerchief until I did that finger trick and it went really wrong with the chopping and stuff. Okay, anyways, we're going we're gonna to call this our seed today. Do you think we can use this as a seed? Sure, sure let's try it, okay? So we're going to plant it nice and deep into our garden. All right? 
into the soil, I should say. We're going to add, what was this? Water and nutrients. I know North Durham, you got the nutrients. You guys got me, right? We got, what's this? Sun. All right, now we wait. So how long does this normally take to grow a plant? Weeks. This is going to break John Thompson's record for longest sermon ever then, right? <laughs> I'm joking. I'm kidding, okay? Uh, here's, here's what we'll do. We don't have all the time in the world. So what we'll do is we'll maybe take a break for a couple minutes. I'm going to get into the Word today, and we'll come back to this towards the end. Does that sound good? Yeah? We'll put it on hold? All right, cool. Well, we have been looking at parables this summer at C4, and um, the parables have been great so far. And some of you, I know the, the Bible nerds in the house, you're already on to me as to what parable we're getting at today. Today we're going to be looking at the parable of the sower, the parable of the sower. It's found in Mark uh, 4, so if you have your Bible, whether it's a physical one or a digital copy, get that out, open up to Mark 4. While you're going there, I'd like to give you just a little bit of context to this parable. The parable of the sower is told three times in God's word, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, in what's called the Synoptic Gospels. And the cool thing is, is that the Gospel of Mark, we're told by the scholars, was written first. And the parable of the sower is actually the very first parable told in the Gospel of Mark. And so don't miss this significance. This is actually a parable that was the first written parable of Jesus given to us in this world, in the Gospel of Mark. And so it has to have something for us today. As we're going to find out as we look into the text today, it's really about God's Word planting into our hearts. And it's almost like Mark's saying, look, before we go anywhere else, before I show you the living Word, Jesus Christ, and what He has to say, make sure the soil's ready for God's Word to get planted into your heart. If you have um, your Bible open, let's have a look at Mark 4. We're going to read verses 1 to 13. Again, Jesus began to teach by the lake. The crowd that gathered around him was so large that he got into a boat and sat in it out on the lake, while all the people were along the shore and the water's edge. He taught them many things by parables, and in his teaching said, Listen, a farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path, and the birds came and ate it up. Some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched, and they withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up and choked the plants, so that they did not bear grain. Still other seed fell on good soil. It came up, it grew, and it produced a crop, some multiplying 30, some 60, some 100 times. Then Jesus said, whoever has ears to hear, let them hear. When he was alone, the twelve and the others around him asked him about the parables. He told them, the secret of the kingdom of God has been given to you. But to those on the outside, everything is said in parables so that they may be ever seeing and never perceiving. They may be ever hearing and never understanding. Otherwise, they might turn and be forgiven. Then Jesus said to them, don't you understand this parable? How then will you understand any parable. Now, before we go any further this morning, I want to ask you a question. It's a question that we'll call the piercing question today. It's the question that I'm going to encourage you to ask yourself over and over again as we look into the text. The question is this, what type of heart soil am I? What type of heart soil am I? Can you guys say that out loud on the count of three just to make sure you got it? Are you ready? Just in case we're nodding off. Okay, ready? One, two, three. What type of heart soil am I? Very good, very good. Well, we're going to be talking about something called heart soil today. 
obviously. But what is heart soil? Heart soil is essentially the readiness of your heart, the softness or hardness of your heart towards allowing God's word to be planted in your life so that it can grow and bear fruit. It should be, um, there's, there's a little pretext I want to cover before we jump into the soil stuff, though. Verse 14, which we haven't read yet, says the farmer sows the word. So spoiler alert, the seed is the word of God in this parable, okay? And uh, Mark says, the, or Jesus says, rather, the farmer sows the word. And so um, what is the word of God, I think, is an important question before we talk about why that's important to go into our heart. Uh, the Bible, which is the word of God, actually gives us a really good definition of itself. In uh, Timothy, Paul writes, all scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. The Bible says of itself that basically it's God's tool to pierce our hearts, to teach us, correct us, to draw us closer to Jesus. But Jesus also tells us in Mark 4, there's this other funny thing about God's word. It can actually have the effect to push us away from God. Because if our heart soil's not ready, if we're not ready to receive that word, and we're not ready to be corrected and to grow in God's word, Jesus says in Mark 4, there's some people, they're, they're always going to be seeing, but never perceiving. They're always going to be hearing, but not understanding. Because if they did, Jesus says, they would repent and come back to me. And so my prayer, as we are about to jump into this, is that you would even in this moment start to ask Jesus, Jesus, would you show me what heart soil I am? What type of heart soil am I? And would you even start to soften my heart? Like, if you're here today, and this is maybe your first time at church, maybe you are uh, not a Christian, or maybe you call yourself a Christian, but you're trying to understand that, I want to challenge you, just have an open mind today. If, even if you don't believe in God, ask God this question. Say, God, if you're really there, and this is legit, would you start to soften my heart soil? Would you make it so your word doesn't push me away, but it actually draws me closer to you? And those of us who follow Jesus, one thing I love about this parable is Jesus says to his disciples, he says, surely you guys would understand this because you're part of the kingdom. Then a couple paragraphs later, he's like, what, you don't understand the parable? Okay, I'm going to tell it to you now, right? And so even Jesus, kind of tongue-in-cheek, he's saying that even those who follow Christ, sometimes it's difficult uh, to understand always the truths and deep truths of the parable. And so we're going to unpack it, and I ask that those of you who are followers of Jesus, that you wouldn't just tune out and be like, oh yeah, I've heard this a thousand times but you would open your heart to what God has to say about your, the condition of your heart soil this morning. Uh, one other thing. In a parable, you often uh, say that you've got to find yourself in the story, find yourself in the parable. With this parable, however, there's certain roles that you cannot be. Uh, one role you definitely cannot be is you're not the farmer. In this parable, that's God's job. God is the farmer. You're also not the seed. That's the word of God's job. But you do get to be the soil. That's your job. And we're going to talk about what that soil looks like. Now, some of you are like, but I want to be the farmer. I want to spread the seed. And that's really humanity's problem from the beginning. We all want to be God, right? But the good news is, is that even though you're not the farmer, God does use tools uh, to spread the seed, to spread the word. So you can say, I'm a tool for Jesus. <laughs> that's what you get to say. To, no, <laughs> you're not a tool, but you're a nice person. But anyways, none of us... None of us are uh, actually the farmer spreading the word of God, but um, we, actually, we actually get to be like a tool uh, that God uses to spread his word. And so without further ado, let's uh, jump into uh, the different types of soil that you could be in your life. And remember the piercing question, what type of heart soil am I? 
The first type is the path soil. Satan likes soil near the path because it's easy, right? The, path, the soil near the path is so easy. Uh, in Mark 4.15, and another good thing about this being the first parable Jesus teaches, he explains it. So I don't even have to do that much work today. Jesus does it for me. So here we go. Mark 4.15, Jesus says, Some people are like seed along the path where the word is sown. As soon as they hear it, Satan comes up and takes away the word that was sown in them. I'm actually not much of a gardener myself. Um, I, I really don't have green thumbs at all. And I don't know about your lawn this year, but this year my lawn has been scorched by the sun. Anyone else in that position? Just the sun's destroyed it? Like if there's any farmers in the house and you're looking for hay, you know, come by my place and you can collect it and take it. But what I decided to do this week was I thought, I got to go and spread some grass seed. Maybe I was prompted by the parable I was preparing for. But anyways, I got out there and I'm spreading the grass seed in my lawn because it's just destroyed. And most of it's going in the lawn. But we have this one part at the front of our house beside the driveway. And our, our driveway is barely a two-car driveway. So when the second car pulls up, it often goes on to about a foot of the grass. And over the last couple of years, it's created like this dry, hard path of dirt where it's just, you know, rock hard. Nothing grows there. And so I'm spreading the grass seed. And some of the seed ends up landing on this kind of dry, hard dirt path. Do you think in my heart of hearts, I was like, oh good, the grass seed went on the path. It's just going to dig in its roots there and just sprout up the greenest blade of grass you ever did see. Do you think in my heart of hearts, I really believe that? No, of course not. Actually, I was, I was more like seeing the squirrel out of the corner of my eye salivating at the thought of running over there and getting that seed, taking it away, Right? You know, paths are great places for walking. They're really easy to walk along. They have definitely purposes, but they're not good places for seeds to land and grow. What type of heart soil are you? For some of us in this room, I think the heart soil that we are is path soil. Our heart is path soil. It's easy. We just kind of landed where we are in our faith. And because it's so easy to be on the path, the Word of God has a really difficult time taking root, doesn't it? I got thinking about what type of things uh, would make someone more susceptible to being a past soil Christian. And I came up with just a few things. It's not an exhaustive list. It doesn't necessarily mean that you're a past soil heart kind of Christian. But I think these are things that would put you in danger of being a past soil Christian. Perhaps you grew up in the church and it's just a thing you do. You grew up in the church and it's just a thing that you do. You know, a lot of us in this room, maybe we grew up going to Sunday school, mom and dad took us to church, we went to youth group, maybe we worked at camp or something like that, uh, met our spouse, got married, here we are, it's just been this thing, you know. When you grow up in the church, it can be easy, even for some of us who have kids, it can be really easy for our kids, we have to be aware of this. When I was a youth pastor, I can think of a couple teenagers who met Jesus in their, in, in their teen years, and their families were not Christian families. These kids would sometimes come to church putting on raincoats, putting on warm winter jackets, walking five, ten kilometers, both ways through snow uphill. No, not quite that. But seriously, uh, walking to church in the worst conditions because knowing Jesus meant something to them. They wanted to receive God's word and grow. While other teenagers, their parents were trying to drag them out of bed. And it's not a judgment on parenting, but it's just saying that if, uh, if you didn't grow up in the church, I think it's a little more difficult. And those of us who grew up in the church were a little more susceptible to being past soil. 
Another thing, you haven't, maybe if you haven't been persecuted for your faith. Now, I think all of us, especially in North America, kind of first world Christians, we've maybe had some type of persecution. Maybe at work, someone's made fun of us. Or uh, I know when I was in high school, I gave a speech about my faith. Everyone made fun of me for a couple days. And, and it is persecution. But the persecution that I think really distinguishes us in North America from other Christians is, you know, there's some Christians who are meeting today, and they don't know if a bomb's going to explode in their church service. You know, there's some Christians who, if anyone found out about their faith, they could get thrown in jail, they could get beaten, they could get killed, their children could be taken from them. If you haven't been persecuted for your faith, especially in that way, you're in danger, I think, of being a pastoral Christian. It's easy. There's no real threat of life loss here in North America. Maybe you often fall asleep in church. Now, some of you are, like, laughing. Some of you are, like, offended. Hey, some of you are asleep, so you didn't even hear it, right? (laughs) But seriously, if coming to church on Sunday morning is the one time you have an opportunity to hear God's word and you're falling asleep, how's God's word ever going to take hold in your life? Right? You're probably on the path. Your spouse or significant other is the main reason you go to church. You know, if you come to church because someone drags you out of bed, nags you, bugs you to get here. It's probably just too easy for you. You're not owning your faith. And of the three bad types of soil that we're going to look, about, look at, past soil is the only one that specifically mentions Satan. It's almost like it's so easy for Satan. He doesn't even have to be sneaky. He doesn't even have to try, right? He just knows that he can target God's word as it lands in your heart every week, every day, and it's gone right away. What type, of, what type of hard soil are you? Now, here's the good news. A past soil Christian usually knows who they are. Like, some of you are like, yep, that's me. Nailed it. I can go home now. <laughs> Amen, right? Um, some of you, so you just know it because it's just so easy to identify. And my prayer for you today is not to judge anyone here who's maybe in this space, but to challenge you to ask Jesus, even this moment, to say, Jesus, please start to soften the soil of my heart so I can receive your word. It can take root, and I can grow. If that's you, even in this moment, I challenge you. Pray that prayer. Invite Jesus to start to soften up your heart. Well, we're going to move on to the other two types of bad soil. And these ones are a little more uh, tricky and seductive than the past soil. The second one is the rocky soil. Rocky soil is shallow soil that deceives us into thinking we're mature. Shallow soil that deceives us into thinking we're mature. Jesus tells us in uh, verses 16 to 17 of Mark 4, Others like seeds sown on rocky places, they hear the word and at once receive it with joy. But since they have no root, they only last a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. The rocky places are those places, like picture, you know, up in the Muskokas, a massive rock of Canadian shield, and there's just this shallow bit of soil kind of in the concave of one of those massive rocks. And the seed falls on it, and it can grow up quickly, but it hits the rock bottom. There's nowhere for the roots to go. It's like when you're a kid and you have that science project where you grow a plant in a clear cup, and at first it comes up, and then your teacher's like, take it home, little Billy, and make sure when you get home, you plant it in your garden so it can keep going. And of course, no, one, no parent ever plants it in their garden, whatever, right? It dies within, you know, a couple days of getting home. That's, that's the rocky soil. There's a bottom. I think a lot of Christians, if, I, if I'm honest, I think a lot of Christians' heart soil is kind of like this. We kind of settle for the smallish, Christian enough kind of faith. We only allow the Word of God to grow so much in our life Maybe, maybe uh, you know, 
It's kind of like this. There's a type of gardening. It's called bonsai gardening. It's a Japanese gardening form. And what bonsai is, essentially, is they take what would normally be like a full-size tree, and they try really hard to grow it as a super miniaturized version of that tree. I actually, outside of this analogy, it's kind of cool and artistic, but in this analogy, I mean, trying to do that, it takes a lot of effort. And they actually put it in like a bowl often. I actually have a picture if you want to see what one looks like. This is a bonsai maple, right? They put it in a bowl. They, and, and the key to it is they only put a little bit of soil in the bowl. That's one of the keys to it so that they can keep it like this super miniaturized version of what a maple tree is supposed to be. I think a lot of us as Christians, we settle for being bonsai. We settle for being bonsai. Um, I actually have a picture of a full-size maple. So let's see what the maple's supposed to be. Now, check this out. It's beautiful. Its, it's re- roots go deep into the ground. It shoots into the sky. Like, you can't even contain a full-size maple on, on this page. Like, if someone asked me, what, would you, what type of maple would you rather be? A bonsai maple or, like, a legit, you know, red maple out in the wild? I'd say legit red maple every day, right? Because I want my roots to go deep. I want to be able to be free to grow and head into the sky. But a lot of us as Christians, we settle for the bonsai instead of going after the real thing in our faith, allowing God to do amazing things that we couldn't even imagine. Here's what I think a rocky soil Christian looks like. I'm going to read a description, and I'm going to ask you to pray and ask Jesus if this is you. You follow Jesus, and you come to church each week, but you have little time for Bible study, connect group, or prayer life. Even if you are in a connect group, you often miss the connect nights. Once or twice a year, the word of God really connects with you through a sermon, and you receive that word with joy. You repent. You grow quickly. But as the growing gets harder and old habits creep in, you lose momentum. The roots hit rock. The growth stops. Trouble and persecution sets in. You feel defeated, and you begin to wither, hoping and praying that maybe God's word will hit you again in a few months. And then this type of thing becomes a pattern And maybe it even becomes your expectation of the Christian life. Is that you? Because it's not what God intended for you. You're settling for bonsai instead of growing up to be the real deal. So what type of heart soil are you today? Are you on the path? Are you the rocky soil? Or maybe you're stuck in the weeds. The weedy soil. Heart soil that lets distractions destroy the ability to bear fruit. Heart soil that lets distractions destroy the ability to bear fruit. Mark 4, verses 18 to 19 says this. Still others, like seed sown among thorns, they hear the word, but the worries of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth, and the desires for other things come in and choke the word, making it unfruitful. I told you I'm not much of a gardener. Uh, we bought our home a couple years ago, and it came with this six-by-six-foot garden in the front. And we didn't do much with it. It kind of had a little half-dead shrub kind of growing up. I think it was some type of pine shrub. It looks terrible. It's still there. And uh, we didn't do anything. And this spring, I I thought, I'm going to, you know what? I'm going to do something special. I thought, I'm going to go to Walmart and buy 40 bulbs of two types of flowers and just randomly plant them all over the garden. And I thought, maybe my wife, I'm not going to tell her, it'll be a surprise, and she'll be like, oh, Mark, you're my hero. This is so wonderful when they grow up. That, that was my expectation of what I was about to do. Let me tell you, if you're not a gardener and you have no clue what you're doing, this was a failing forward experience, okay? So I randomly planted all these bulbs everywhere, 
and uh, didn't tell anyone. A couple weeks later, about 25, what I would describe as like grass-like blades started to emerge from the ground. And at this point, my wife notices. She's like, hey, what's going on with the garden? And I said, well, I was hoping they'd flower before I had to tell you. I don't know why I thought that would happen before she noticed. But anyways, and I said to her, I said, I planted 40 bulbs in our garden, and it's going to be beautiful. What do you think? And she's like, well, this should be interesting, right? And so anyways, she's awesome. Uh, She's very supportive of my endeavors. Um, Anyway, so about two, three weeks after these uh, little sort of grass blades emerged, they were about three foot tall, uh, probably four stalks on each of them. So I had like a hundred of these things all over, crisscrossing, going every which way in the garden. And I also, I forgot to take care of the weeds while this was happening because I'm, you know, busy doing pastor stuff. So all these weeds started growing up among them, and they were kind of creating their own sort of chaos. And then my neighbor uh, comes over and he says, hey, I've got some mint plant. Do you want me to plant some mint plant in your garden? And I was like, yeah, I love like mint chocolate and stuff, so let's do it, right? So I, you know, planted this mint plant, and what, what I didn't know, I, I heard some of you gasp, is mint is highly inv- invasive. And so within like another three weeks, this mint plant's like threatening to overtake my already weedy, overgrown, just random garden. I mean, some of, the, some of those stalks that came up, they broke in half when they came because there's just no room, right? Uh, the 15 bulbs of another type that I planted, only two made it to the surface. They were totally choked out by everything else in the garden, and they died within a week, But I learned something. I failed forward, that's for sure. What I learned was you can have the most fertile soil on the planet. It was fertile soil. It's beautiful soil in that garden. But if you're letting the weeds and the other invasive plants into that space, they're going to choke out the plants that you really want. What else am I growing in my heart soil? You, You can have the most fertile heart soil on the planet. You know, the heart soil that's open to God's word and ready to go. But what else are you allowing to grow in that heart soil? Anything that's growing and choking out the potential for God's word to land in your heart and produce spiritual fruit, it's a weed. It's got to go. Jesus says in Mark, words or weeds are the worries of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth, and the desires for other things. Eight years ago, I got one of my favorite things ever, an iPhone 3G. And uh, I got this thing, and I just thought it was awesome. And so a couple years later, the iPhone 4 was coming out, and it became my obsession. I was like, I need to get this thing. I remember I was preparing a sermon one day, and I threw the sermon aside to watch the Apple press conference telling me all about the iPhone 4 that was coming out. I spent hours reading ridiculous articles about, it might have this, it might not have that, will it have this, will it have that, all this time. You know, the week that it came out, I lined up like 3 a.m. with my camping chair in front of the Apple store, just waiting to get my hands on this thing. I paid way too much money for it, went on a plan that I really couldn't afford or shouldn't have afforded. You know where my iPhone is today? I don't either. (laughs) I really don't. Um, You know, I, I ended up after two years, the thing got pretty beat up. The screen was broken. I didn't really care about it. I threw it in a drawer. I thought it was still in that drawer. I went to go find it. I was going to bring it out today. This thing that I obsessed over, spent hours thinking about, put the word of God aside to think about, something that would produce spiritual, lasting fruit. This thing I spent way too much money on. It's junk today. 
garbage. Worries of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth, the desire for other things. I think all of us have things like that in our hearts of different scale and magnitude. Maybe it's the bigger home. Maybe it's the cottage on the beach, the bigger boat, the high-end Tesla that looks so awesome. Maybe it's our kids. You know, helicopter parent wasn't a thing when I was growing up. Some of us, the worries of this life might be our kids. I don't know what it is, and I don't even think necessarily all these things are bad things. But like a mint plant that has a good purpose, it can become quite invasive, can't it? What type of heart soil am I? Ask yourself that question. You may have the perfect heart soil, like heart soil that is ready for God's word to bear fruit in your heart, in your life, but it's littered with weeds. And if that's you, it's time to get rid of the weeds, isn't it? It's time to take the focus you put on the weeds and place that energy into God's plan for your life and the positive influence you'll have on others when you fully devote your heart to him. There's the path, the rocky places, and the weeds. Which one are you? Well, we have one more. That's the good news. It's the good soil, the good soil. Good soil is heart soil that is ready for God's word to be planted and grown to the point of bearing fruit and having a multiplication effect. Luke 4.20, Jesus says, Others, like the seed sown on good soil, will hear the word, accept it, and produce a crop, some 30, some 60, some 100 times what was sown. When we started today, I started to show you this gospel illusion, didn't I? And I said we'd come back to it. So we're going to come back to it right now. And just like a parable that Jesus would tell that sounds like a story but has a deeper meaning, I want to add some layer to what I showed you earlier. I told you the base was what? Do you remember? The soil. That's right. It represents the soil of our heart, right? It's, it's, it needs to be ready. It needs to be weed-free, rock-free, path-free. What do we say the yellow tube represents? Does anyone remember? Sun. I want to add a layer of meaning to that. It's a bit of a word play, but the Son of God, the most important thing in our life, Jesus Christ. If we want to produce fruit in our life, we need to make sure that Jesus Christ, the Son of God, is the very first decision we make to repent of our sin and turn to him, isn't it? What did we say the red tube represented? Water and nutrients, that's right. Spiritually speaking, you know, it's really good to start here. I mean, this is where the Christian life starts, repenting of sin following Jesus. But if we don't have spiritual nutrients in our life, things like our Bible study, our prayer life, hanging out with other Christians, you know, connect group, doing life together, it's really hard for God's word to actually grow in our life, right? We need those things. We need those spiritual nutrients in our heart and in our life. The cool thing is, though, if your soil is right, if you've turned to Jesus, if you have those things in your life, you will bear fruit at the end of the day, won't you? You will bear fruit. You know, I tried to think of what does good soil look like? I tried to come up with just a few ideas. And I came up with some things, and they actually are really basic kind of things. Uh, I have a list that will come up on the screen here. How to make sure your heart soil's right. Repenting of sin. You know, Mark 4, verse 12, Jesus says kind of tongue-in-cheek, he's quoting a verse from the Old Testament, but he says, if God's word actually pierces someone's heart, essentially he says, they would repent of their sin and turn to me. You need to make sure the very first thing you do if you want to have good heart soil is that you've repented of sin, maybe for the first time, to receive Jesus into your life, 
But maybe it's an ongoing thing. Maybe sin's built up in your heart, and you're actually not growing in your faith because there's sin there that you need to repent of. Second thing is growing in Christ and knowing Jesus. It's interesting in John 15, 6, Jesus uses a few gardening analogies. And one of the things he says is, um, essentially, I'll paraphrase it, he says that uh, some Christians are like a branch on a tree that's died. And the farmer comes along and he's like, man, this thing's not really helpful. It's not producing fruit. And Jesus actually says the farmer will cut it off and throw it into the fire. And so it's so important that it's not just about this. Yeah, I know Jesus. I'm excited, right? I think this is the problem rocky soil Christians sometimes get into. But it's important that you actually grow and know Jesus. You go deeper than that. And how do you do that? Well, three and four. Devoting yourself to the teaching of God's word and prayer. Doing community with other Christians. Acts 2.42, it's a picture of the very first church. It says they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. That's God's word. They devoted themselves to prayer, to fellowship together, and to the breaking of bread. Um, and so we look at this list, and I think most of us go, yeah, that's easy. I can do that. That's a piece of cake. I'm done. We say that on the one hand, yet on the other hand, so many of us are probably sitting here today going, but my heart soil is not good soil. There's challenges. But didn't Jesus tell us in this passage we read that that's exactly what happens? He says you'll be ever seeing, but, but never perceiving. He says you'll be ever hearing, but not understanding. Isn't it so true for so many of us? It's easy to intellectually look at something like this and say, yeah, I get that. That's easy. Done. I'm going home. Swiss chalet. Here we go. Right? But for how many of us is it so hard to actually take this and make it heart knowledge? Because to do that, for some of us today, it means dealing with ourselves. It means dealing with our sin. It means dealing with things in our life, whether it's the weeds, whether it's the challenges that keep us from going past the rock and breaking through, whether it's just being on the path. We actually have to do something about it today. But I want you to hear something. I believe that God desires amazing things for your life. I really do. I'm serious. Like, they might not be easy things. You know, it might not be smooth sailing. It might be difficult things. But I promise you that God has set an adventure before you of chasing after him, of growing in him, of bearing fruit, of going deeper. And he just wants you to give him that heart soil that he needs to spring up that incredible fruit in your life. And if you can give him that, it's going to have a mind-boggling impact on your home, on your family, on your friends, on your neighborhood, on your church, in your job, in your community. Do you guys believe that? Amen. It's true. But it starts with letting go of the past soil, the rocky soil and the weeds that are holding you back. What type of heart soil are you? Uh, we're going to wrap up. I want to share one more, one more just quick st uh, story with you. When I was a kid, my family used to go to this cottage up on Georgian Bay on a beach called Wimblewood Beach. And we would rent a cottage there, and it was right on a nice sandy beach. And I have vivid memories of going to this place. And I'd get there, and, you know, there would be this path of nice white sand, and it would go kind of leading to the beach, and you'd walk through it, and there'd be these tree-lined kind of sides to it, these shrubs beside it, and you'd walk along this path going to the beach, about 10 feet of path with all this shrubbery. And you get to the beach, there was like 30 feet of white sand beach. It was beautiful. I'd chase seagulls, build stuff, and then you got to the water. And uh, in my mind, I was like, man, I just, I had that image. This is more than 20 years ago of this most beautiful place just set in my mind as something that would always be there, never changed. Well, I took my family back there two weeks ago. We rented the same cottage, and we uh, went to the same beach. And you can imagine my surprise when I went to go look at this path that I just have these amazing memories as a child. And do you know what was there? Nothing. 
It was just all shrubbery, grown up. There was no path. It was new trees, new shrubs. It was totally gone. This thing that I thought, man, this thing will be there for forever. I couldn't even convince people who didn't know that that used to be there, that there used to be a path there. It was so different. And then what happened was about 20 feet to the left of that was the new path. And it went through this area. As a kid, I used to call it the weedy poison ivy area. And we always said, don't go in there. The weeds will get you. The thorn bushes will get you. The poison ivy will hurt you. It was cleared. It was the new path. It was, it was put to a different purpose. You could get through that area now. And as I went down to the beach, there used to be like 30 feet of white sand beach. It was now only maybe five or eight feet of white sand beach. And the entire area that used to be beach was just growing with vegetation. Vegetation going up to the sky, roots going deep. Kind of sad maybe if you're a beach lover, but I'm getting at a deeper point here. There's, there's a tie-in to heart soil in this story. That path that I thought was just a fact of life, that path disappeared and became fertile soil. The poison ivy weeds that I thought would always be there were pruned and taken away so they weren't a problem anymore in the soil. And the shrubs and trees grew enormously in a place where shrubs and trees had never grown before. Here's the good news for you about heart soil. Just like Wimblewood Beach changed, the landscape of your heart can change. Past soil hearts can soften uh, and grow in God's word. Rocky soil hearts can find depths that they never knew before. And weedy soil hearts can be pruned and focused on bearing fruit. So I ask you again, what type of heart soil am I? It's the piercing question this morning. I'm trusting that maybe Jesus has given you an answer to that question already. Maybe already in your heart of hearts, you're like feeling, okay, I I think I know what God's saying. I'm going to say two things this morning. If you're here, and maybe you aren't a follower of Jesus, but maybe you are um, thinking about it or whatnot, I want to encourage you to continue praying and asking Jesus, what do you have for me? And I want to challenge you, whoever brought you this morning, to talk to them about Jesus. Talk to them about what it means to know the Son of God, to be growing in God's Word, to have fertile soil. I'm sure they'd love to chat with you. And if, if uh, you, you know, that's uncomfortable, sometimes it's easier to talk to a stranger. We'll have people at the front. They will pray with people, but they'll also chat with you about Jesus. Please do that today if you're feeling God is moving you and calling you and you want to know more. But for many of us in this room, I'd assume maybe the majority of us who are followers of Jesus type of heart soil are you? Here's what I want to encourage you to do as we're coming to the close. What I'd like to encourage you to do is, in a minute, just bow your heads and close your eyes. Actually, you can do that right now. You can bow your heads and close your eyes. And first of all, ask Jesus, again, what type of heart soil am I if he hasn't already revealed that to you? And maybe, maybe it's one for sure. Maybe it's a couple of them. Maybe you're good soil, but you just have challenges. In fact, we hope that most people in this room are good soil. What type of heart soil am I? Or maybe even what type am I susceptible to? What type do I sometimes, you know, slip into? I want you to take 30 seconds to ask Jesus that. And then once you hear an answer, hopefully Jesus speaks to you. I want you to say, what do I need to do about it, Jesus? What are you asking me, Jesus, to do about the condition of my heart soil? You need that answer today, and it might not be easy. It might be like ripping a Band-Aid off to take care of a wound. But ask Jesus who you need to talk to, actions you need to change. What is it? And once you've dealt with that, then I want you to just say one more thing to the Lord. Just say, help me. 
because it's not going to happen on your strength. I'm just going to give you 30 seconds, and I'm going to wrap us up in prayer as the worship team is coming up. So Jesus, we just thank you, God. We thank you for this parable, Lord, in Mark 4, perhaps the first parable ever written, challenging each of us to say, before we go any further with you, what's the condition of our heart, God? I thank you, Lord, that, you know, even in this moment, Holy Spirit, you've revealed to some of us where we're at. Maybe we have good heart soil, but you've warned us. You've said that's the one that you have trouble with. Be careful. Maybe some of us, were just so deep in a, a bad type of heart soil, God, that there's nothing we can do on our own strength. And so we ask you, Jesus, to help us. We ask you to show us what we need to do to get to that place where our soil, our heart's right with you, to grow and bear fruit so we can continue our mission in our own lives and in our church's life. Jesus, we just thank you that you're so good to us, that you're a good father, that you love us, that like your disciples, uh, who just didn't quite understand the parables all the time, God, that you just take the time with us to reveal what's going on. And God, I pray that for us, this isn't an intellectual game this morning, Lord. It's not just, a, oh, that was nice, a nice thought. But God, that we would be people who are actually perceiving, not just seeing, actually understanding and not just hearing. And that we would just be laid <laughs> open by your word, God. Thank you for all your blessings. We thank you for what you're doing in our lives. And uh, we turn to you, Jesus, because we can't do it without you. In your name, amen. Thanks for joining us. To connect to the ministries of C4, visit c4church.com.